are gathering unto the Lord. Uh, a lot of people have, uh, down through the years, <coughs> thought that it was, well, uh, something that we would go through the tribulation and that we would suffer. Uh, and, and so this actually was something that the Thessalonians, they forgot that Paul had taught them that they were not going to go through the terrible conflagration and the judgment hand of God. And somebody wrote them a letter as if it, the letter came from Paul and it shook up the whole, the whole uh, town, shook up the whole church. And we're going to take a look at this the, tonight just real briefly. But we're going to concentrate tonight on the fact that we are going to be gathered together unto the Lord as a shepherd would gather his flock together. There's not going to be one single fear. There's not going to be any more pain. We're going to be with the Lord. I constantly have to check myself to figure out, do I really believe this? Do I really? Have you ever just wondered how it's going to be when Jesus Christ is actually visible for us? To where we can actually talk to him? How in the world is he going to talk to that many people at one time? I can't understand that. But he's just as much your Savior personally as he is corporately, amen? He's just as much your own personal Savior. I don't know how God does that. He makes everybody feel like we're an only child. <laughs> yeah. It's like we're the special, most special one person in his whole life. I don't know. And by the way, that's a good lesson for you and I. When, when somebody needs your attention, we should give it to them undivided. How many are scatterbrained like I am? Or you, you have been at times. Nobody's as scatterbrained as I am. But how many understand that's a, that's a bad trait? When somebody's talking to you, you, you need to talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. And uh, I had a pastor that was real good at ignoring everybody else. While he was talking to somebody, somebody you know how if there's a lot of big crowd, he wouldn't pay attention. He'd get done with that person, and then he'd go to the next, yes, and he would give that person his undivided attention. It was offensive only to the people that wanted to interrupt. <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't bad. Now, if, you, if you're talking to somebody, it's nice to know that they're paying attention to you, amen? You know, God does that to us each individually, and yet he's going to gather us all together. I don't know how he's going to do it. But God's going to do it, and it's all through the Bible. Let's take up now with 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and let's pray. And I want to preach a message about our gathering together unto Him. Father, bless now, please, this message. Help our hearts. Help us to communicate with the Holy Spirit tonight. But Lord, we pray that You'd communicate with us too, that we would not only tell You what we want, but Lord, that you tell us what You want, and help us to have that two-way communication strong and vibrant and we pray this in Jesus name amen so in chapter 2 of 2nd Thessalonians the Thessalonians had a problem they were told by letters as if it was from Paul about Paul wrote letters they didn't have TV didn't have radio didn't have megaphones didn't have a cell phone all they had was letters and word of mouth and the Bible tells us that when Paul wrote a letter to the church at uh, wherever he was addressing, he wrote in his signature, he wrote in his own handwriting 
and the people acknowledged that that letter was from him. And in the Bible, if you'll look in the New Testament, you can find where Paul actually said, do you see how large a letter I've written unto you? And that letter wasn't large as far as pages, but it was large, no doubt, because we think maybe he had eye problem, eyesight problem. Maybe his print was bigger. But at any rate, if you look into this and you can see these little tidbits of information, it tells a story that there were letters that Paul wrote to the churches, and that was, that was the scripture. That was from God. That was prophecy from the Lord. It was no doubt. It wasn't any less of scripture than Jeremiah's, the word of the Lord came unto me on the fifth day of the seventh month, and the Lord said unto me, you know, that's exactly what happened to the Apostle Paul. But in the New Testament, he wrote it down under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that he didn't say, thus saith the Lord like a prophet would, but it was no doubt the same exact word of God. That's why we don't have a bigger Bible. That's why the revelation is not the revelations with an S. It's the, it's the finished revelation of God. It's all over. We've got the Bible. How many say, let's just make sure, let's try to read the one we've got before we try to worry about new revelation. There isn't any other new revelation. I'm concerned with too much about what I've already got to learn. There's enough in there to keep me busy for three or four decades after I'm dead. All right, let's look now. Second Thessalonians, here's this tiny church in Thessalonica, it's a Greek place, uh, as you know. Verse number one says, Now, Paul says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our what? Gathering together unto him. This is why Paul wrote. He said, I'm beseeching you because of this are gathering together unto Jesus. That's why we want you to go to church. That's why we want you to read your Bible. That's why you want to stay serving the Lord, because He's coming. And he says, verse 2, that ye be not soon shaken in mind. Their minds were shook up. They were shaken. Why was that? It says... Or be troubled. So their, their minds were troubled and shaken, neither by spirit, nor by word, that's word of mouth, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. So they were shook up because they had a letter sent to them, or plural, maybe letters, but it shook them up in their spirit, it shook them up in their mind, and they were troubled as if the letter came from Paul. If you look in the Bible, there was lots of scoffers, there was lots of trickery, there was lots of false teachers, there was lots of false prophets in those days. And uh, Paul said it's no, it's, it's no big thing that Satan himself should be transformed and be uh, like he's a, a minister of righteousness, you see. So, how many understand today, right here, 2020, there's a lot of religious nonsense going on in the world. And it would shake you up. If, you're, if you don't stay in the Bible, it will shake you up. Verse number three says, Let no 
man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin, that's the Antichrist, be revealed the son of perdition. So you see, uh, there, there's groups nowadays that say, oh, listen, we're, <laughs> the Lord's already come and Oh my goodness, I, I, could, I could spend hours just on all the nonsense about people that... There, I've seen pictures of guys that actually call themselves Jesus, the second coming. One guy's in Africa, he's got a big following. And he's dressing up and, and the thing, you know, it gives him away that he's a buffoon. <laughs> he's wearing tennis shoes. <laughs> Everybody knows that Jesus wore sandals. All right, so anyway. No, the... Uh, these guys are nuts. They, all they, there's a guy in the Philippine Islands. Uh, Tim, Tim's brother Paul was showing me all of his churches. I mean, this guy's wealthy, as you can believe. Uh, and uh, he puts everybody to work in his church and then makes them tithes and has, has uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, automatic withdrawal deposits from the people that he hires from the church. You got to join the church. Get a job, and he takes your money out of your paycheck. But he's, he's dead now, thank God. He's gone. He's, he's over. But we, uh, we, we're, we're most surely right in this uh, falling away. Would you, would you agree with that, at least? There's a big following, falling away. Uh, I'm not saying God can't bring revival, but you ask anybody that travels and uh, you ask Brother Arbo, he, he visits a lot of churches and he knows what he's talking about. And whenever you get out, you can see that Christianity's struggling today. Christians are struggling and uh, our country's struggling as far as the Bible is concerned. We're, we're having a rough time of it. People aren't uh, going crazy with revivals anymore. And, you know, you might see pockets here and there, but as a whole, it's, it is changing and I would say that there's a force of falling away. Uh, there's a, if, I, if I was up on, on a, 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 a box, it would be easier for you to pull me off of it than for me to pull you up on it. It's just, it's just uh, it's a law, you know, but you've got to stay strong. But think about this when you realize that even though there's people that are shook up and there's a falling away, and soon we might... Uh, see all this, but but we're going to be gathered unto the Lord. And that's looking pretty good. Amen. How'd you like to be gathered unto Jesus today? The Bible says we're going to be gathered together unto him. Now let's go back in Jeremiah and uh, let's see uh, chapter 29 real quick. Uh, I'm not sure if it's too warm in here. Uh, anybody, anybody too comfortable? All right. You don't want to get too comfortable, right? How many say so you ought to be a little irritated in church? It keeps you awake. <laughs> All right, so anyway, no, please, relax. You're getting sleepy. <laughs> relax. All right, chapter 29. You know, they did a study, and they said if you took every church member and, and laid them in a row, on the pews, head to foot, to head to foot, it'd be a lot more comfortable. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's go to chapter number 29, verse 10. 
For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Well, this is getting good, isn't it? Then shall you call upon me and, and ye shall go and pray unto me and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. God promises. That's, the, that's what God wants. He wants, to, wants us to be together. Don't you know that? You know, people, people that uh, forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, um, there, there's a loneliness out there in the world. Uh, it's almost like, well, I'm too sick to go to the doctor. I don't want to go to the doctor because I'm sick, that kind of thing. I don't want to go to church because I, I'm not doing well spiritually. Listen, praise God, this is, a, this is a soul hospital, amen? It's a soul gas station. It's a soul clinic. Uh, let's just let's stay, stay healthy. And God says to Jeremiah, I, I know you're going to go to Babylon, but after that's over, I'm going to bring you back. And he did, didn't he? And after 70 years, he did. He brought Ezra and Nehemiah. He brought them back and gave them another chance. And uh, they, they had a wonderful time praising God. Let's look at Matthew chapter number uh, 13 for a minute. There's different things that God loves to gather people together. Uh, I love church. You know, I, 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 never, I never get tired of having a great, great day in church. I don't know what it is. There's just something inside of me. I just want to have a better day and a better day. And there's been some great, wonderful days. And I wish somebody would write a book about all the good days, the big days, and the fantastic days that people had in church. You know, I remember when, and I remember this day. And man alive, you know, my old pastor, Brother um, brother Fisher, one time uh, he made the newspaper. He bungee jumped in his suit uh, for a teen activity. And he, they took him up in San Diego on a great big huge crane and they took him up and hoisted him way up and he bungee jumped off this giant huge crane in a suit and tie. And uh, I remember that. Uh, I saw him do that. And I, I just, uh, just, there's no way in the world that teenagers need that kind of silliness. <laughs> but he did it. No, they, they loved it. Man, he made the paper and everything. Uh, I'm just thankful that uh, there's been some fantastic days of fantastic things going on in church. Happy days, glorious days, gathered together under the name of the Lord. Oh, listen, have you ever been to a Bible conference? How, how many of you have ever been to a great big Bible conference where there's like thousands of people? How many have how many ever been to a big one? One or two of them. It's so much. How many have ever been to a camp meeting where the people get going and they have a lot of fun? I, it was almost that way every year when I went to Bible college. It was almost like a camp meeting because it was in Jacksonville, Florida. And, you know, Jacksonville, Florida is just South Georgia. I mean, all the country folk come around, man. I mean, they can shout and they can holler. And, and some of it's real. Some of it's fake. Some of it's real, though. Some of it's really fun. I remember one day a Jewish man got saved. His son was graduating, and he'd been, his name was Cohen. If that's not Jewish, nothing is. And his dad was a Jewish man. He came, and he got saved. 
the whole entire church was almost all in tears. Just everybody was shouting. And when, they, when the preacher named his name, how he had received Christ as his Savior, he came forward and he presented him to the church. This is Mr. Cohen. We've been praying for him for years. And he finally accepted Christ as his Savior. He's not ashamed. And the whole place went wild. And, and his son, who'd been praying for him for years, he was over there just on his knees, just in tears, where his dad got saved. Oh, listen, these gatherings, they're so sweet. That's why Jesus said, I, I want you to gather together in my name. Would you look at this now? Uh, let's, let's go to Matthew 13, and then we're going to go to 18. Matthew 13, when, when God tells us he's gathering us together, he likens it to several things. Number one, he likens it to uh, a fishing net, a net full of fish. Um, and, and so look at verse 47 here. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind. That tells us anybody can go to heaven. Which, when it was full, they drew to the shore, to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. Oh, you know, that's just, it's just a picture of salvation, isn't it? You know what's really sad is that God would like to keep everything in the net, but some people don't want the Lord. I'm glad I do. Are you glad you're saved tonight? And you know we're going to be gathered together. That ought to keep you going, keep your tank full, and, and keep you going. Look, then, not only as fish in a net, but look at chapter 18. Here's what we're doing tonight. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 20. We are actually gathered together tonight, right now, in verse number 20, in the name of Jesus. It says, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. You know, we were talking about sometimes uh, families go on vacation, miss church, whatever. But you know what happens is a pastor can't get upset with that, can he? No, he can't. Why? Because it's up to the Lord, isn't it? So you see, as long as there are two or three, right? So as long as my wife and I are here, we, can, we have reason to, to rejoice, don't we? And if my wife's out of town, I'll pick one of the kids. They come to church with me. If my whole family's out of town, would somebody please come to church and be here with me? See, that's the kind, where two or more. What about a missionary up in Bethel, Alaska? What about somebody way out in the ocean? It's just amazing. If you gather together in Jesus' name, he's there with you. And that's the thing about it. Gathering together, gathering, gathering, collecting, gathering. That's what God wants. He wants us to know. And, and look, at, look at Luke chapter 14 real quickly. He, he's not done. He's trying to get it into our hearts that there's something wonderful. Somebody says, I don't like a big church. Well, I don't know if that's true or not. I've been to both, and I kind of like both myself. Uh, but sometimes it's hard to make friends in a big church, and big churches, sometimes they lose that. But you know, I've noticed this in preachers. Every preacher that's got a church that's uh, fairly small wants to have more, 
and the, and, the, and the churches where the pastors had too many people, they always go, we miss that small, that homegrown uh, the fellowship we used to have. And so I guess we're all just discontented, amen? How many you wish you had more money? How many you got too much? See, you don't, don't no, I've confused you. All right, but, uh, you know, we, we gather together under the Lord's name, in his name, and we're content and we're thankful because he's there. And boy, one of these days, look at Luke chapter 14. This is what God says in verse number 21. Uh, we used to have this on the back of our bus. He says, so that servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house being angry said to his servants, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. They did that, and there's still room. And the, and the Lord of the feast, he said, that's not enough. That's not enough. He says, verse 23, and the Lord said unto the servant, now, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. This is different than the first request. I want you to go find lame people, blind people. I want you to go find halt people. I want you to go in and, and I want you to find the poor people and bring them in. And, and they said, we did that. And there's plenty of room. And then he says, go out and compel them to come in. That's a little, you, have you ever compelled somebody to do something? We compel our children to do things, don't we? And you know what the Lord said? Oh, one time, I, I was, uh, my wife and I were going to a, a reception. A lady had lost her husband in a motorcycle accident, and they were having a reception at the house. It was, it was, it was a sweet meeting, but we went, uh, we didn't know anybody there, so we were just dropping something off, coming to pay our respects, and they were just about ready to eat. And so Brother Haggith, whom I did his funeral and Mrs. Haggith's funeral, Brother Haggith, he was an old farmer out on uh, Everson Goshen Road, and he had a unique way of compelling people to, to come and eat with him. He invited us to dinner uh, to, to share with the uh, reception. And uh, before I could get the words out of my mouth, uh, I've used this before. He's, I, I said, well, well, we, we would, but as soon as I said that, he said, if you would, then you will. Now, come on. <laughs> Did you catch that? That's kind of tricky and sneaky, isn't it? Well, we would. Well, then you will. Come, he grabbed me. And we ended up eating. And I, I was a little bit embarrassed because that's a good way to compel people. So use that. That's free. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> next time, say, why don't you stay and eat? Well, we would. but Well, then you will. All right. I love that. Amen. It's good stuff. So he says, now compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. And you know, I've said so many times, one of my favorite subjects is we're going to meet with the Lord and have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And uh, it's exciting because we're going to gather. Think about God gathering people. Does he do that? Oh my goodness, he does. Um, he gathers people together under the power 
of his own spirit. In fact, God, in some places in the Bible, he says, I'm going to put a fish hook in your mouth and I'm going to drag you in. I will hook you and I will bring you and people are going to be dragged into places where God wants them to be. How many understand God's powerful and he can, he can put a hook in your uh, nostril <laughs> I think the word nostril or mouth or what. Anyway, I don't want God to hook me in my nose. Uh, an invitation would do well. Uh, just just come. I remember uh, I, I'd never been to church. I was, I was given my uh, testimony. There was, one, some, there was a gal, uh, she was uh, emptying the trash at Starbucks yesterday. And uh, I don't know how we got on the subject, but I was putting some sugar in my coffee. And then I was putting more sugar in it. And then I was really putting, no, I, I put way too much in there. And, and she, I, I felt like she was kind of like, wow, you know, want a little milk with your coffee or coffee with your milk, whatever. So I can't, I can't remember what she said, but I got to give her my testimony. And she sat there and looked at me, her eyes got big like, yeah, yeah. I told, I told her that um, I'd never been to church and I got saved because I heard the uh, gospel over the radio and uh I, it was just it was just something that the lord put together i got to give my testimony i love giving my testimony how many are tired of my testimony you've heard it so much it, you should never get tired of giving it because we're going to be gathered we're going to be gathered together look at look at now this um as guests to a supper as church members in matthew 18 as fish in a net but look at this now Look now at uh, Acts chapter 2. He did this all by himself. God did this. And I think it is just absolutely miraculous how God did this. And folks, you don't have to worry about what God's going to do with you. He will move you into his will wherever he wants you to be. And by the way, he, he doesn't always have to have a, a hook in you. He'll just gently guide you like a shepherd does his sheep. Amen. He'll gather you. Look at this now. Acts chapter number two. It says in verse number five that at the day of Pentecost, when the Lord gave the, the brand new church there, that sweet little church, the brand new church in Jerusalem, he empowered it with brand new Holy Spirit power to do things, accomplish things that never had been done before. And so what he did was he wanted to get the gospel to the whole world, didn't he? How are you going to do that? Well, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The Jews come first, then the Gentiles. Watch what happened here in verse number five. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, Jews, Devout men, very, very devout Jewish men out of every nation under heaven. How did that happen? God did that. You know what? Some Jew way back in Ethiopia said, I don't know why, but I think I'm going to go to Jerusalem this year. And some guy in Russia, some Jew in Russia, all the nations of the earth, there was a Jewish, a devout Jew in every nation and you know that happened when the ten tribes got scattered all around. And Judah and, uh, oh my goodness, what a history. But all of a sudden, there's a, a, a Jewish, maybe a Jewish, a couple of Jewish brothers said, let's go to Jerusalem. 
And they ended up there. And they didn't even know what was going to happen. They had no plans to hear the gospel. They had no plans to speak in tongues. They didn't have any plans. God just brought them to Israel and put them in Jerusalem. And verse number 6. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. These were not unknown languages. They were spoken languages to the people. And uh, if I was in a German language, I would go to Jerusalem at that particular time and I heard somebody speak. I'm German. He's Russian. He heard it in Russia, in Russian language. I heard it in German. And that's what they said. How did every man heard them speak in his own language? That was a miracle. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these uh, which speak Galileans? Aren't they all from Galilee? They didn't speak our language. And verse number 8, How hear we every man in our own tongue? wherein we were born. That's the, that's the language that they spoke. Here's proof. Verse 9 says, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia, and in Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and in the parts of Libya, about Cyrene, the strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes, Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. I think I counted 17 different uh, dialects and languages. And, the, and when Peter got up to preach the miracle, he didn't, he didn't actually speak all those different languages at the same time. But the miracle was in when they heard Peter speak God made them hear what he was saying in probably Hebrew. He, he heard, they heard him speak in their own tongue. That's a miracle. That's what God can do. How did they all get there? God gathered them together. What are we going to be? We're going to be gathered together to him. Um, I don't like the falling away. It's hurt. It's hurtful. It makes me sad. But it's just a sign of things to come. I know there's a falling away happening from time to time. I'm sure there's been other serious, more, uh, more devastating falling away. But we're in one right now. We're, we're in a, a type of a falling away. There's not, not a lot of huge, big, huge churches getting started. You know, um, there was a day in the 70s, I guess, uh, in Jerry Falwell. Anybody ever hear about Jerry Falwell? He had a staff member named Elmer Towns, and he did a study. And the largest church in every single state in America at one time was an independent Baptist church. It's not that way anymore. Now it's like, my goodness, there's some, you know, the, the whatever life center with the rock and roll music. And I mean, just, just, it's, it's just not like it was. You could get discouraged over that. But you also could think, boy, we're getting close. Did you know we're closer today than we were yesterday? Right? How many are, you get, you get why I'm trying to say that right? 
How many are excited about that? We're closer today than we were last week. How many have been saved for a few years and you're really, really getting closer and closer? Isn't that great? What, well, for what? We're going to be gathered together. All the saved of the whole earth. Look at Revelation 5. We're going to finish up with this. I don't know. I, I don't know how to preach. I don't know what I'm going to be able to do for every. I don't know how to encourage everybody. I just know this, that I'm really encouraged lately. Because boy, oh boy, you know, it, it's just really, really good to think that one day we're going to be all shepherded in. We're going to be all flocked together. Amen. And we're all going to be with their shepherd. And uh, there's not going to be any more problems. We're going to be gathered together. Oh, my goodness. I, I'm just having scenes of, of, of blessings that just are going through my memory. But I don't have time to tell you all about them. So I'll tell you about most of them. No, no. Revelation 5, verse number 9. Look at this now. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred. How many kindreds? Every kindred. And tongue. How many tongues? Every tongue. And people. How many people? Every people. And nation. Every nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests. And we shall reign on the earth. Gathering together one day. Lastly. Not lastly, but almost lastly, Revelation 7, verse number 9. It says, After this, I beheld and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of what? All nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne, before the Lamb clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders of the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And... One of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. He said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes in, and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple and uh, he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. You know, that's a picture of what we're going to be looking forward to, this gathering together. So God, he says, I want to gather you like a fisherman with, with a net. I want to gather you so you can hear the gospel. I want you to gather in my name and I'll be with you. I want you to gather as guests at a supper. I want you all to come to supper with me. I want you to be an audience so I can preach to you. I'm going to sing to you. And I'm going to give you white robes. And look at this lastly. I love this verse. Uh, Hebrews 12 or Hebrews 13 will be done. Uh, Hebrews 13. You say, what, where you, where, what are you trying to say? Well, I'm saying this, that we gather in church 
because we're going to be gathered by the Lord. We gather together in the name of Jesus. We gather together with this book and we preach this book and we love this book and we, we memorize this book and we quote this scripture and we do and obey and follow the commands of God and we try our best to live the words of this book because we're going to be all gathered together one day. Now, lastly, if you look at this, actually uh, chapter 12, verse 18. Remember when uh, Moses had all the children of Israel, several million of them at the foot of the mountain, Mount Sinai? Remember that? Remember he went up and God fired and, and lightning and thunder and everybody was scared to death. And even if, even if a, a, an animal would come up to it and touch the mountain, it would be struck through with a dart. Or, or, or killed. Look at, look at this. This is not what you and I have come to. Look at this now. Verse 18. For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burn, burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words which voice they that heard uh, entreated that the word should not be spoken to them anymore. They got so scared of hearing about God. They said, please don't say anything anymore. Please don't talk to us anymore. We can't handle it. They were scared of God. For they could not endure that which was commanded. Verse 20. And if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. That's what the Old Testament picture of getting close to God was all about. You can't get close to me. I'm so holy, you can't even look at me. I'm going to talk to you through Moses. I don't want you even around me. I'm not going to let you see me. I don't, I'm so holy and so pure. I don't, I, I, I'm going I'm to pick a few people and I will talk to you through them. I've got my, I've got Daniel and I've got, I've got uh, Moses and I've got Aaron. I've got Joshua. I've got Jeremiah and Daniel and Ezekiel, but I'm not, I'm not going to live with you right now. I, I can't, I can't handle you. You, you, you're so wicked and so, so debauched and so evil, uh, but you know what? Look what, he, look what he says here. This is wonderful. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels. Watch this now. To the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that are that of Abel. Boy, I'm so glad I'm saved tonight. Do you realize that without Jesus, you'd be a very, very bad enemy of God? Do you realize that those people that have rejected Christ have completely sealed their fate? Unless they get saved, they completely are going to be judged and God has no problem, no problem whatsoever just casting them out. If you, if you don't uh, accept Christ as your Savior, then you have nothing. There's nothing. 
No Jesus, no life. No Jesus, no life. I came that they might have life, they might have it more abundantly. I'm glad we have a shepherd. I'm glad we're going to be gathered together unto him. And I hope tonight that you just remember there's so many ways that God wants to gather us. Let's bow our heads for prayer tonight.